a financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. Notorious NHL tough guy Tom Wilson found himself at the center of more controversy when he was fined but not suspended for violations on the ice in a game against the New York Rangers. The $5,000 penalty for the Washington Capitals forward sparked a brawl-filled rematch, but also plenty of criticism of how the league dealt with the whole incident. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Post-media national sports columnist Scott Stinson joins me to discuss how the league handles frequent flyers whether Wilson's kind of play has a place in the NHL, and how they can do better to address similar on-ice incidents in the future. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Scott, with the Canadian NHL team separated into their own division due to the COVID-19 pandemic, some hockey fans in Canada may not be paying as close attention to what's going on south of the border. But you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who didn't hear about the brawl between the Rangers and the Capitals last week. What exactly transpired in that May 5th game between these two teams? Well, Dave, it was a bit of frontier justice, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in the NHL for really a number of years. But Right off the opening face-off, there were three fights. Uh, the three Rangers forwards all picked fights with the guys opposite them. So that was unusual. And then within the next few minutes of ice time, there were, I believe, two or three more fights. So something like 12 fighting majors handed out in the opening minutes of the game. The penalty box was bursting with Washington Capitals and Rangers on the other side. And this was all basically fallout from an incident two nights earlier where Capitals forward Tom Wilson was involved in two separate violent incidents with Rangers players and was ultimately not suspended for any of his actions by the league, uh, despite being a frequent subject of league discipline. So it was basically a situation where the Rangers were mad. They took matters into their own hands. They fought a bunch of guys. There were some other incidents as the game went on, and it was kind of an ugly look for the league all around. So you say there were a couple of incidents in the game two nights before. What exactly happened in the previous game that kind of led to this, as you say, frontier justice? It basically started off as your typical goal mouth scramble, as happens. You know, guys are trying to get the puck loose from the goalie, and then the Washington players came in to, to sort things out. That ended up being a bit of a gong show with players on the ice. And then what happened was Tom Wilson basically punched Pavel Buchnevich while he was prone and on the ice and kind of had a stick underneath him to add to the danger of it all. It was that action, the punch, that caused Wilson to ultimately be fined $5,000, which is the maximum amount allowable. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then after that, amid subsequent scuffling, he removed the helmet of Artemi Perrin and, and threw him to the ground, essentially. 
which was one of those things that kind of happens sometimes where guys tussle and they end up going to the ice. But in this case, because Panarin didn't have a helmet on, he was within inches of having his head smack the ice at a high rate of speed. Jeez. And, you know, it was could have been super dangerous. It was super dangerous. It could have been very scary in terms of the result. You know, it was a matter of inches, as I say, between him not having a, a really serious head injury. As it turns out, Panarin has, has basically been declared out for the rest of the season, which is now just a couple of games regardless. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that was basically the thrust of it. There was two separate things involving Wilson and Rangers players. Both of them were pretty dangerous, neither of which ultimately the league decided to suspend him over. Everyone who's watching those two incidents in that game sees Tom Wilson and thinks, okay, here he goes again. This is a repeat offender. Surely he's going to get suspended for something like this. And after, was it a hearing or they just kind of decided, okay, we're going to fine you $5,000, but no suspension. What's the process that goes into that? And why do you suppose he wasn't suspended? Well, the way it works in the NHL is if they feel they're going to suspend you, they basically will invite you to a hearing. Now, obviously, the hearings are all being done virtually. I think usually they're virtual anyway, just because of the logistics of, you know, Unless, I guess, if a guy is in New York, he can go see him in person. But mm -hmm. regardless, there wasn't even that part done. There was no hearing, I don't believe. It was just a matter of them assessing the incidents and then saying, no, we'll just do a fine. So that was that. I mean, he didn't have to go to a hearing because they didn't suspend him. So mm -hmm. the other part of your question is really interesting because what the NHL tends to do is when they do suspend somebody – they will release these videos, essentially a YouTube press release almost, to show the incident, explain why they took the action they took. You know, it, it's almost like saying, here is the player X and he's got his elbow high. And therefore, when it hits the head, it was a, a headshot, the blow to the head that could have been avoided, therefore suspended for two games or whatever. But they don't do that thing when they do not suspend somebody. They only provide the transparency when a decision is made to suspend a player. So what would have been really useful in this scenario is any explanation from the NHL as to why Tom Wilson was not suspended. What, what was it about what happened here that they felt was acceptable behavior in terms of the way players conduct themselves on the ice? So the question of why they didn't come down with the suspension, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't know. <laughs> This is part of the problem with disciplinary issues is it does sometimes feel like they start off from the point of how can we excuse this behavior in a way that allows us to avoid a suspension? Like they are almost starting from the base point of what is the possible explanation from here that puts this these actions in an excusable light? And I guess you could come up with the argument that this kind of stuff does sometimes happen in hockey games you know, they're all big guys. They're all on skates, which are not stable. So sometimes guys can fall over and that's kind of the explanation for it. But, but I don't know. And and especially, I don't know, given Wilson's history, like that's the part of this whole story that seems baffling to me mm -hmm. is that you'd think a guy with his history would just automatically be more subject to more sanctions, given the fact that he's a repeat offender than he was in this incident. With a guy like Tom Wilson, what are some of the other things that he's done that's warranted attention from the league or suspension from play in the past? 
He's been suspended five times, which is obviously a lot. There's really two big incidents. There was an incident a few years ago where he had a 20-game suspension, which is very big by NHL standards. Mm -hmm. And it was relating kind of incredibly to a preseason game. It was a shoulder-to-head-of-unsuspecting-player hit, which when you see it again in slow motion, it's just it, it's all kind of shocking. Given the way the NHL polices headshots nowadays, and again, this was a preseason game, and it was a player who Wilson had plenty of time to assess, you know, did not see this hit coming, and he, you know, clobbered him. And that player, you know, basically hasn't had much of a career. I'm not claiming that this hit put him out for the rest of his career. He just didn't go on to a long pro career. But that was a 20-game suspension. And then a couple of years ago in the playoffs, actually the playoff run that the Capitals ended up winning, there were a number of incidents where he was suspended for a game, he was fined for some other games. And that was one where kind of his reputation was made as this guy who was playing right on the edge and was doing things that were out of the bounds of normal NHL acceptability. It was a really controversial period then because people particularly in the team he was playing, I believe it was Pittsburgh at the time, wanted him suspended for much longer. And the justification was like, well, it's the playoffs. You know, you can't, you're not going to suspend guys for lots of games during the playoffs because it's the playoffs. And, and that, again, seems like a kind of ridiculous way to approach things. Um, but overall, he's had five suspensions of various lengths. He's had other incidents that he's been fined for. Over the course of his career, he's lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in pay because anytime you're suspended, you lose the pay for those games. So. Mm-hmm. His rap sheet, as it were, is quite long. The fine against Wilson hasn't been the only fallout from this incident. Obviously, there's been lots of talk in places like social media, shows like this, mm-hmm. talk radio shows, but the Rangers themselves got caught up in this. What has happened with the Rangers since this incident? <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing with this story is it's a little hard to suss out exactly what is related to this incident and what isn't. So after Wilson was not suspended, the Rangers organization put out a statement. It's really unusual for any organization to flat out complain about something that the NHL has done in a disciplinary matter. But not only did they complain about it, they basically said that uh, George Peros, the director of player safety, was unfit for the job and essentially said he should be fired and, and that the league was complicit in this and so on and so forth. So by any normal standard, what the Rangers said was highly unusual. It wasn't signed by anybody in particular. It was just a statement from the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. And then the day after that, the team president, John Davidson, and general manager, Jeff Gordon, were both fired in what seems like was an unrelated issue. There's been no confirmation in the days since that they were against this statement or were unwilling to continue on with their jobs, given that the statement probably came from the desk of Rangers owner James Dolan. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem like that whole statement thing was the flashpoint for the ultimate firing. It seems like James Dolan, the owner, was unhappy with the direction of the team. And for whatever reason, he decided that in the middle of this other controversy, this was the right time to to address his unhappiness with the front office and go ahead and fire a bunch of guys. Who knows? You know, years down the road, we may look at it as Tom Wilson 
somehow got the Rangers front office fired in an indirect way. But so far, that doesn't entirely seem to be the explanation. Although, you know, it's James Dolan. I wouldn't be surprised to eventually find out that's essentially what's happened here. Now, the Rangers were also hit with a hefty fine at some like $250,000, right? That's right. Is that common for an organization to get fined like that for speaking its mind? <laughs> you will get fined for like you know if you were, if you complain about officiating and say you know we think that was a terrible call and these penalties shouldn't have happened and that was a bad job by the referees you'll get fined the expectation is that teams do not publicly criticize the officiating or the or the discipline you know and that extends to things like discipline and fines and suspensions and things like that $250,000 is a tremendous amount of money. I mean, it's not for the New York Rangers and Madison Square Garden and James Dolan, <laughs> but it is a big fine by any of these. I can't recall, you know, even a fine really in the six digits uh, for something like that. Usually it's $10,000 here, maybe $50,000. $250 is a lot. And it speaks to, I think, the unusualness of that statement and how blunt it was and how, you know, it essentially accused George Peros and the Department of Player Safety as corruption without actually coming out and saying the word corruption. One thing I, I find strange, this may just be me, why does the NHL have a guy like George Peros, who made his career as an NHL enforcer in charge of player safety. It just looks weird, doesn't it? It looks extremely weird. And when it was announced, you know, at the time, I think the reaction was, what? <laughs> One of the previous guys, the guy kind of made his name was Brendan Shanahan, now the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But Shanahan is a Hall of Fame player who not just won Stanley Cups but played 20-something seasons, mm -hmm. was a skilled player, obviously, but also somebody who was a bit rough and tumble, like, was kind of a guy you could see as, okay, he understands the game, but also had a bit of an edge to his play. You don't necessarily want a Lady Bing candidate in that role because they're not going to necessarily evaluate it from the way that some other players would. But to go the complete other end of the spectrum which is we're going to put somebody in this role who i believe george peros had something like 35 points in his career and 1000 and something penalty minutes is just bizarre because to your point he essentially was one of the last of a dying breed of players which is the guy who's really there as an enforcer is was expected to fight people and really do very little else other than patrol the ice and keep players like at the time, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff, who were the stars of the Anaheim Ducks and Team Mussolini, even before that, you know, keep them safe. Mm -hmm. And that's a role that doesn't exist in the NHL. So it even makes it more strange that, that a guy like him is in that job. And it only adds to the, I think the questions that we end up asking in incidents like this is that like, is this literally just because he was a tough guy and he's sympathetic to enforcers? I mean, I don't see how you can't get away from asking those questions when a weird decision like this non-decision against Tom Wilson comes down. Now, looking at the league as a whole, do you feel like there are competing interests at play in the National Hockey League? Like you have a desire to see good old fashioned hockey. And I love watching the big NHL players who can throw their bodies around and play physically. But I also like to see guys like 
Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews excel, right? Like the, you know, the really high, high level, high skill players do well and score amazing goals. Like, does the NHL have a problem with trying to see those two halves of the game work together? It's always going to be a tricky balance, I think. And there are certainly games and it happens in the playoffs where people are throwing their bodies around and there's lots of big hits and those things can be exciting and raise the tension of a game for sure. But it's also true that the high skill guys and, and the speed and that aspect of the game is really what it, the game ought to be about and not just guys smashing into each other to finish checks. And, and it's always going to be, I think a bit of a difficult balance to strike because as we've seen with the increasing awareness of headshots and, and what concussions can do to somebody long-term, they've realized that, you know, the Scott Stevens model of blows to the head and taking guys out with violent hits has repercussions beyond the game itself. And so they're trying to eliminate some of that stuff while also emphasizing the speed and skill of, of the game. And I think you get into this weird situation, like what we saw with the Tom Wilson incident was this idea that especially with the Rangers picking all the flights in the next game was this idea that the players can police themselves to a certain extent and they can take matters into their own hands. And there were suggestions that, you know, Tom Wilson would have never done what he had done if the New York Rangers had a goon on the roster who would have gone out there and pummeled them the moment after he did that stuff to, to the two Rangers players. But it's only in hockey that you ever really get those suggestions, which is this idea that players should be self-policing. I mean, every other sport looks at it as, no, no, it's the referees who tell people you know, what the penalties are. There's no expectation in the CFL that some coach is going to send out a guy to spear a player to send a message. Yeah. You know, and, and yet we kind of still have this old vision of hockey as the sport where guys will settle at themselves on the ice and we kind of get this romanticized version of the nhl of yore where like all these tough guys would do that kind of stuff and it it does seem to me to be kind of a crazy way to approach your very valuable business is to let these guys sort it out for themselves with their fists so ultimately what do you think the nhl needs to do to adequately address not just players like tom wilson but you know safety in general and deal with the headshots does it come down to officiating? Does it come down to the league saying we're not going to tolerate this stuff and if you do it, you're going to get suspended and increase the fines? Like, What do you see as a way forward for the NHL? I think they have to be harsher on this stuff and be less willing to accept excuses or sort of say, well, that wasn't really the guy's intention. You know, he didn't mean that, that kind of stuff. Like, I think they need to be harsher. I think it would do a lot of good to have more transparency when they choose not to hand down a suspension. I think this Tom Wilson example is a perfect one where had George Peros been required to spell out his reasons for not suspending Wilson, I think he might've realized how ridiculous it sounded. Once you have to kind of put pen to paper and say, here are the reasons why these actions were not warranting a suspension, it probably you know, makes you think about it differently. So I think that's a useful step. I also think that the repeat offender thing matters. You know, a guy like Wilson, there's nothing wrong with basically saying, okay, once you've been suspended, if you come in front of the league for potential punishment 
the next time it's an automatic this many games and then the next time after that it's an automatic this many more games and and i think that kind of thing would make a difference i mean there are other sports european soccer is a good example where if you collect certain numbers of cards which are you know yellow cards or red cards then there are automatic suspensions that follow from them Mm -hmm. that stuff curves behavior i mean if wilson knows that he's automatically going to get a five-game suspension the next time he gets called into the league office then you got to assume he's not going to be running around after whistles shoving guys to the ice and punching them when they're laying there like i think that stuff would matter so I think that's a big part of it. And on the other, you touched on headshots and stuff like that. I think one thing we have seen, as much as the NHL has changed the way they approach some of these things, there is still a tendency to kind of go, if a team knows a guy has suffered a head injury, you get the sense that the teams know that they can kind of get around some of the rules around it by just pretending the guy doesn't have a head injury. You know, they'll say it's an upper upper body injury or it's his neck, it's not his head, you know, stuff like that. And and I think as much as they have changed the way they approach some of these things, they know that there is a ways to go. Not everybody in the NHL world necessarily thinks that a guy who suffers a head injury automatically needs to miss time. And and I think that attitude has to change. Right on. Well, I guess we'll see how the league deals with this uh, going forward. Now, the Rangers are not in playoff contention. Capitals are off to the postseason. We'll see if Tom Wilson gets up to any other shenanigans on the ice. (laughs) Scott, thanks for your time. Okay, anytime, Dave. Have a good one. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Scott Stinson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.